Welcome to Ukulele is the New Black. I'm Meredith Harper and I love to play the ukulele. In this podcast, I talk to ukulele players to find out why they play ukulele, what they love about it and how it's changed their lives. I wanted to play an instrument Because musicians are so cool And I wanted to be cool But I found playing an instrument is kind of hard Tom Harding calls himself a community musician, which is a term I hadn't heard before, but it's a concept I really like. He's a great teacher and musician, and he's just an all-round nice guy. Now, heads up on a few things. Um, Tom had a cold when we recorded this, so his singing voice is a little rougher than usual. I'm sure you'll forgive him for that. And you will hear some sounds like small galloping feet. That was my cats chasing each other around the house. As usual, they had perfect timing. They're cats. Enjoy. It's the new black. Ukulele player. Introduce, <laughs> introduce yourself. My name's Tom Harding. Everyone calls me Tom the Pom. And I'm what we call in the UK a community musician. I like that. Community yeah. musician. Yes. It makes it sound like you're just on street corners handing out free music to everyone and making them happy. To an extent, yeah. A community musician is much less of a performer and much more of a, a facilitator to get groups of people doing the things that they want to do, okay. as opposed to the things that we decide that they want to do. Interesting. Yeah. We might come to that, that, that sure. a little bit later. Um, I want to talk maybe a little bit about your background. So mm-hmm. obviously you're from the UK. Yes. So how long have you been in Australia? Been in Australia for 13 years, and I got my citizenship, I think, five years ago. Oh, wow. Well. So I am Australian. You're a real Australian. Australian, but Do you eat Vegemite? Yes. You do? Yes. That it's is awesome. A, the first time my mum came over, she bought a catering pack of Marmite, the biggest thing she could find. And me and the missus devoured it, but over a while, we've gone to the ways of Vegemite. Yeah. Good. Although I don't want to set fire to everything, but I'm more of a Promite man. No, no. Oh, oh. Look, we won't have that discussion. Promite is one of the most hideous things ever known to man. My first husband actually really liked it. I can't even handle the smell of it. Because it's kind of sweet as well as salty. Yeah, it's like oh. Vegemite, except with extra sweet. salt and sugar it's in it. It's like you mix some honey. Oh, no. Yeah. It's just, anyway. Oh, no. Get it in you. Our listeners don't want to hear about that. <laughs> so let's, let's go back to your childhood, yes. before the Promite ever happened. Yep. Um, so how old were you when you started learning music? Um, I seriously got into it when I was 15. Okay. I was a bit of a late blossomer, really. Um, opportunities came up, but they weren't the right opportunities for me as a young'un. So it was 15 before I really started getting into the bass guitar and then acoustic guitar. Okay, so guitar was the first thing? Yes. Always wanted to be a drummer. Always wanted oh, to be a drummer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And my mum said I could be a drummer as soon as I moved out. That's a fair thing. I can, I can totally understand why she would say that. Yeah. So the closest thing to being a drummer is a bass guitarist. So yep. I saved up my pocket money and I bought my first bass and I've been playing since then. Okay. So just, just bass, have you, you, you played other guitar with more strings as well? Yeah, I play acoustic guitar for yep. work. I, I, I've been teaching guitar for a number of years now. Okay. And um, I've played all sorts of other instruments as well. I play loads of percussion, loads of percussion. Well, drummer, obviously. Yeah, yeah. drummer. And I believe it or not, I used to play didgeridoo professionally in the UK. In the UK? Yes. <laughs> There's not much call for a professional didgeridoo player, but I was one of the blokes that you used to phone when you did. Well, it, it is a particular skill. I've never tried, and I, I know I, it would... Well, I'm not, I've never been good at instruments you blow into. I, I find them generally hard. Mm-hmm. So I imagine didgeridoo would be either a level above that. It's, or not. It's a lot easier Is it just something think. that people think it's hard and it's not really? Yes. 
Yeah, it's making big raspberries down the tube and singing <laughs> over the top of it, really. With all due respect to everybody, but that's pretty much how it goes. Okay, I'll take your word for that. Um, so, so obviously you did get to the drummer thing? Eventually, yes. It took me a long while to get to the drum kit. I, I found Samba Batucada, the Brazilian carnival-style drumming. Right. I, I went to a workshop in Cambridge in the UK, and by the end of the two hours, I pretty much worked out what I wanted to do for a living. I wanted to do that. That was it. That's a good choice. Yeah, it was brilliant. I loved it. So I started going along to that. But um, I think one of the reasons I'm a good teacher is because I'm a terrible student. <laughs> <laughs> so I made all the mistakes. But also, I found a little niche there translating what the leader was saying, translating that to the people on the instruments. So the leader would say, I want you to play that. Then I would go to the new person. I think what she means is... She wants you to play like, no, no, not quite, nearly, like that, like, yeah, like that, yes, you've got it. And, and explaining it in different ways to the way that the leader explained it. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, so yes, I know got, what you mean. Yes, yeah. so being able to explain to a different, different audience with different words so that they yeah, actually right. get it. Yeah, yeah. there's loads of different ways to learn. Yes. And as a, as a teacher, you need to know them all and you need to be able to throw them out um, to each student. That student learns visually, you need to be able to point it out that student learns by doing you need to give the task and then stand back and that one learns by listening that one learns by reflecting so a teacher you need about throw out all those ones and keep it entertaining Mm, okay so when did the teaching happen i started to lead a few cheeky workshops when i was 18 because i wanted to with not much more plan um you know there's a there's a medical phrase which is um See one, do one, teach one. Have you heard that? Yes. Yeah. So you don't really know it until you've taught it. That's how I learn. I, oh. don't, I don't get it. I don't own it until I've taught it. So I guess once you've taught it, that means once you've had to actually think about it enough to explain it to someone, yeah. then, you, then you think, oh, okay, now it makes sense. Yeah, and then someone says, what you said doesn't make sense because of that. And then you need to go back and have a quick think and then, and then explain it on the fly. So when you can teach something in the different ways that people like to learn, then you really own the thing that you're playing. Yeah, okay. Otherwise, you're just going through some motions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, we have to talk about ukulele because that is what this podcast is about. So when did you first pick up a ukulele? I was a late developer for the ukulele. I missed out and I should have listened to my friend Elaine. Back about nearly 20 years ago, my friend Elaine went to a music camp. She was a brilliant musician. And she came back and said she'd done a ukulele workshop and Tom, you should do that. I said, oh, I can't be bothered. I've got enough instruments. I haven't got time. What? It's like a guitar, but, but rubbish, right? <laughs> That's what I said to her. I mean, you, you get a ukulele, it hasn't got no, then put two more strings on it, make it bigger, make it better, and you've got a guitar, right? I haven't got... And she was like, no, you really should. At least go to a ukulele workshop. You should. It's right up your street. And I didn't. And then I should have done, because she was right and I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So what did inspire you to finally pick it up? Um, I was on a tour. I was teaching um, Brazilian carnival-style drumming in schools in Brisbane. And I was away for two weeks. I packed my guitar and I packed my sound card. And I thought, um, I'll just do some recordings. And I had very little to do. So I popped into a music shop and started chatting to our mate in the shop. He was really nice. We had a good long chat. And I thought for a laugh, I would buy a pink Mahalo... 
soprano. That is a quality instrument. For a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> that is the reason you buy one of those. Yeah. A little pink one. Yeah, a little pink one. It's brilliant. I think it was a glittery as well, which is even oh, better. Oh, extra. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. They go faster. <laughs> and then um, I'd heard um, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys on the radio. Brilliant song. And I thought, I'm going to have a crack at playing God Only Knows on the ukulele and record it for a laugh. Thing to do, just to keep myself out of trouble in the evenings. So I did that, and I emailed it to my wife. And then I decided to do some more songs. So we did, um, I think, All My Loving by The Beatles. And then, do you remember um, Such Great Heights by The Postal Service? I've heard it. I don't know it well, but I've heard it. Great song. I'd seen uh, on YouTube two young lads sitting on top, on a roof, on top of a house, doing a version of that, which was brilliant. So I thought I'd have a crack at that. And then just didn't stop having the crack at doing ridiculous songs on the ukulele. <laughs> and years later, um, you play. Yes. And so you've continued to do ridiculous cover versions ever yeah. since. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, um, so when you do your covers, so you do like to do the things that people don't normally do on a ukulele or just anything that you happen to hear on the radio? Anything that tickles my pickle. Tickles your pickle? Oh, yeah. I like. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say I'd use that, but it probably doesn't work so well if I say it. I used to write songs when I was younger until I realised that some people are just so good at it, so good at it, that I might as well just go and play other people's songs because those songs are brilliant, <laughs> brilliant songs. So I, I, I generally don't do the four chord tricks and I look for classic punk pop songwriting. Yep. But just brilliant songs. Yeah. And, and give those a go. Well, it's not like there aren't enough songs in the world that you have to write your own. There's yeah, plenty right. of them out there. Yeah, it's like trying to reinvent the pizza. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, I'm going to reinvent the pizza. I'm, this time I'm going to put you know, gummy bears on the top. No, don't do that. Don't do that. The margarita's perfect. Just, it is. The just, margarita is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful when, thing. when done right, yeah, yeah. it's delicious. Just, just go ahead and just do another pizza. You don't need to reinvent the pizza. So speaking of cover versions, is there yes. one you would like to play for me? There is. There's one I've very nearly, nearly learnt. So it might be a bit clunky in the middle. That's right. But it's, uh, I won't mind. It'll make me feel better. Brilliant. I'll have a pop <laughs> at it. Also, we're all recovering from the cold, so excuse the yeah, excuse yeah, the Fair voice. enough. Thank you. 
shows My baby don't care for shows My baby just cares for me I wonder what's wrong With baby My baby just cares for My baby just cares for Baby just cares for me Nice <laughs> And he didn't stuff it up at all If he did I didn't I wasn't aware of it One little glitch and I was also thinking <laughs> should have changed his strings Tom He should have changed his strings when he thought about it I didn't know I was going to do a podcast so I bought my workhorse well, no. and this was my fancy you This was very unexpected and mm. I, I may, we might as well explain this to the listeners <laughs> Yeah because, yeah, so you're from the Blue Mountains. Lower Blue Mountains. Yep, near yep. Sydney. Um, for my I, international listeners, we have to explain that. All right. Um, I have, I have, actually, most of my listeners are in the US. Oh, good day. But I have, yeah, <laughs> we have plenty here. Day, I have a few in the UK, so they'll probably enjoy hearing a, a familiar accent. Um, although, do you have one of those accents where we think you sound British and they think you sound Australian? I think so. Because when I arrived in Australia, you lot sounded pretty Australian. And now <laughs> you don't sound Australian at all, but the British newsreaders sound really weird. <laughs> they sound really weird. Oh, you're just too used to us. So I think I've just got to acclimatise the accents. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah, so hmm. um, last night... We had uh, Loud in the Library last night, which yeah. is a thing I go to once a fortnight, a group we have here in Canberra, which I'm sure I've mentioned on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. And and you were there. So so this this man with a ukulele turned up and we thought, who's he? We don't care. He's, he can come in because he has a ukulele and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yes, and you started to play a bit and you seemed to have a personality. And I thought, okay. This, this sounds good. We'd mm-hmm. like to tape him on the podcast. And I asked you how long you were going to be here and you said only a few days. And I said, right, well. Yep. Do you want to do it? And then here you are, yep. following night. <laughs> I do like to go to as many ute groups as I can as I'm travelling around. It's a great thing, isn't it? I, I do yeah. the same thing. Um, whenever I'm travelling, and I'll just try and find some ukulele groups. And they're not hard to find, are they? No, they're not hard to find. And they're endlessly fascinating as a teacher to see what, what one group does against another group and how one leader leads against another leader and... The language used and the levels of complexity expected and community and the people in general, they're fascinating. And I think ours might have been interesting because we, we had a, someone who was leading it and, and she's kind of stepped away. And now we don't really have a leader. It's more done by committee. And I think that possibly showed. <laughs> <laughs> we just make things up as we go. All groups are epic in their own way. <laughs> In their own way. I mean, your group, you've got loads of material done. Yeah. In other groups, they will faff about endlessly choosing a song. Ah, oh, okay. Oh, endlessly. I mean, how many songs did you get done yesterday? Oh, there was a few. So we went round the circle 20? one and a half times. Yeah, yeah we 20 songs. And they're yeah. all four-chord songs, and they're all in C major pretty yeah. much. But Oh, the first ones. We had, we'd usually do the harder ones later, but I think we took too long before doing the easy ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so our, our, generally what we do is, yeah, between seven and eight, we play the four-chord songs. Mm-hmm. And then after that, then we play the harder ones. Um, right. But, yeah, it didn't quite turn out that way last night. I no. don't know why. We just churning through the songs, mm, song yeah, after yeah. song after song. That I was very impressed with that. Mm. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get points for for. Um, can't think of the word, but yes, we get points. Productivity. For that. Productivity. Yeah. <laughs> <Here> we go. 
And of course, I wasn't even playing a ukulele last night because my thumb hurts, and so I took my melodica and offended everybody by playing that. But it was, but it was fun. That's all right. Yeah, it was melodica's fun. brilliant. So, um, tell me then. So the whole teaching, education, community, musician thing. Yeah. So, so you said to me that you basically travel around the country. Yeah. Teaching people. Yeah, I specialise in one-offs. I, I don't run a group. My bread and butter is standing in front of um, 40, 50, 60 school kids with 40, 50, 60 instruments and get those instruments into their hand as quickly as possible to get as much music done in an hour and a half. And then I pack up and I go. Okay. So I generally don't have so many follow-on sessions. So yesterday I taught about 130 Year 7 schoolgirls Brazilian rhythms. And today I've taught about 80 preschool kids songs in sign language and drumming and rhythms and, and how instruments work and whatnot. So, yeah, I prefer the one-offs. I prefer to go in with the lesson plan, deliver it, and then go. Okay, and I guess you still get plenty of repeat because as a, as they go through school, then of course that year seven will move on, and you can always go back and yeah. teach a different year seven. Yeah, I think it's the fifth time I've been to Canberra. Yeah, and I, I go to some of the same schools. Okay, every time. Yeah, some schools have been going back to every year for ten years now. I think. Wow. Yeah, every year seven kid gets to do Brazilian drumming with me in term two, and that's what it is. I think my cats are trying to do some Brazilian drumming <laughs> <laughs> with their feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you do corporate stuff or just... I love the corporate stuff. I've done corporate gigs in Hong Kong, Dubai, Switzerland, Portugal, Scotland. My carbon footprint is massive and I apologise to the next generation. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. But yeah, I love the corporate gigs. They're very similar to school gigs. Well, yes. Very similar. Yeah. Well, you're still basically teaching people who are mostly untrained in music yep. um and i think probably the harder thing with the corporates is trying to get them to i think they can be actually more badly behaved than school children sometimes. oh mad life i've got some stories about corporates <laughs> yeah i've got some stories about teacher training as well the only time i've ever had to say will you please get your hand off his penis <laughs> was in a staff training in a school on the north shore of sydney okay. and it was two pe teachers getting a bit grabby in the circle <laughs> interesting was and it the, the music just i was just getting carried away though was it was the, the language of love <laughs> they're just enjoying themselves a great deal <laughs> that's you that's never know unexpected. what you'll find with the corporates you never know <laughs> some are extraordinarily timid and some are very gregarious and some are just plain drunk that, that would happen that's happened yeah. to me before in corporate training because I remember it was a few quite a few years ago now because um, the company I work for their head office is in Brisbane and we had a thing in Brisbane um, and there was there was, it wasn't you I would remember if it was but there was a, a team of, I think it was about half a dozen people and they came in and there must have been two or three hundred of us in this massive space mm-hmm. and we were all given yeah instruments of various mm-hmm. sorts and yeah and we all sort of um, you know did our thing and we made some kind of a Latin thing mm-hmm. i don't too long ago for me to remember the details but i remember i absolutely loved it i thought this is the best thing ever and there are other people just rolling their eyes saying oh mm-hmm. god what are they making us do now mm-hmm. um so i think with the corporates you will probably get that some people who just think this is a waste of time what am i doing here some i did one corporate event once where before i went on the the gov said that there's going to be some streamlining there's going to be some people losing their jobs there's going to be some people 
um, having to move to different departments. There's going to be some people having to move to different towns. And so that's what we're going to do. Anyway, we're doing some drumming with Tom now. <laughs> yeah, that's really going to put them in the mood for fun, isn't it? It, it didn't go well. <laughs> were they hitting their drums really hard? <laughs> some were. Some were. I, yeah, I just remember being really careful with my language and trying to keep it cheerful without... Just, just managing people and their disappointments more than getting music out of them. So hard. Yeah, that yeah. was tricky. I don't know why they thought that was a good idea. Well, who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Funnily enough, it was, it was at that gig that um, I met the girl over by the buffet and we both had a whinge about the lack of vegetarian food and uh, married her 18 months later. Oh, how nice! <laughs> So there you go. It wasn't such a bad gig after <laughs> all, was it? <laughs> How about mm-hmm. you said you had a second song you were going to play? As many with. songs as you'd like. Oh, excellent. But let's just go for two. All right. <laughs> now, this one's got audience participation. So I'm oh, hoping cool. that you can do the bit yes. and you'll know the bit. Yes. And all the listeners at the home. You'll know the bit too. Okay. And if I don't, if you don't do the bit while you're listening to the podcast and driving your car, then everyone will be very disappointed. Here we go. I heard you on my wireless back in 52, lying awake intent on tuning in on you. If I was young, it didn't stop you coming through. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Ready for your second symphony. Rewritten on machine by new technology. And now I understand the problems you can see. Oh, oh, oh. I met your children. Oh, oh, What did you tell them? Video killed the radio star. Video killed the radio star. Pictures came and broke your heart Oh, oh, oh And now we meet in an abandoned studio We hear the playback and it seems so long ago And you remember the jingles used to go Oh, oh, oh You were the first one Oh, oh, oh You'll be the last one Video killed the radio star Pictures came and broke your heart Oh, oh, oh Song, isn't it? And you're right about the oh oh oh. Yeah, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. 
probably not very professional of me to laugh afterwards. But. No, no, it's good. It's <laughs> that was excellent. I actually have a couple of questions which I wasn't going to put in the podcast, but yeah. I've had two listener questions oh. from people who were at Ladin Library last night. And All they right. said, can you ask him this? <laughs> okay, fair enough. So one is from Mandy, um, mm. and she wants – because you mentioned that workshop you did with the counting in. Oh, yes. And she said, is that a thing that, that one can go to? Is or was that like a – do you know who ran it? And she sounded very keen on doing a thing like that. I do. Um, it was run by a total ukulele genius who Australia owes a big debt of gratitude to called Rob Wool. Um, I think I'm pronouncing his surname right. I hope so. Um, he's a music director at a school and he set up a bit of a ukulele scene around our way and he did an entire workshop on how to count in. And it was great about how to get people's attention, about different ways of setting the tempo without spelling out that you're setting a tempo, um, different amounts of counting in that different people need and the way to get people to come in just before the bar, just after the bar... It was really good. I really liked it. That really is something that ukulele groups struggle with. Absolutely. If I can get on my high horse for a moment, right, and have my rant, if I may. Now, ukulele oh, leaders, right, I'm talking to you. There are three parts to music. Harmony, melody, and rhythm. Now, go, go into your record collection and see how much music you've got that's almost exclusively harmony. Very little. How much music have you got that's almost exclusively melody? Very little. How much music have you got that's almost exclusively rhythm? Countless. Countless albums are almost rhythm. Entire genres are almost rhythms. And it's really easy to let your group do the same rhythm at the same time every time. So one of the most beautiful things about um, the ukulele groups is that you can do what you want. But one of the worst things about it is you can do what you want and you end up doing the same thing. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you an example, if I may. When Niall Rogers wrote I'm Coming Out for Dinah Ross, it was something along the lines of... Like that. And so you can go, I'm coming out. Or you can go, I'm coming out, I want the world to know, got to... You can do it if you want. First I was afraid, I was petrified, kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. But you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about, ukulele players. I do. You know exactly what I am talking about. We all do it. Right? So one of the things I've noticed in, in teaching, uh, teaching drums is that you can take the words right hand and swap it for downstroke with fingernail and take out the word left hand and swap it for upstroke with your thumbnail. So if we were, for instance, teaching the 3-2 son clave, you know it as the, um, uh, the bow dilly rhythm or the faith rhythm. Oh, yes. Yes. We always one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, one, two, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, one, two, one, two, three, four. Right, do that. If in fact, doing... Lad in the Library, Faith is one of the songs we never play because we cannot get it right. No, you can get it right. You just need to explain it properly. You need to break it down to 16 beats to the bar. You need to explain the difference between the song clave, the rumba clave, the bossa clave. Um, 
And then you need to explain that it's one two three one two three one two three four one two one two three four, which means it's a downstroke, an upstroke, a downstroke, and a downstroke, downstroke. One two three one two three one two three four one two one two three four one two three one two three one two three four one two one two down up down down down. You've got to put your rhythm work in. It's it's look. You can do whatever you want. Do whatever you want, whatever makes you happy, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not criticising you for for leading your groups the way you want to lead, and you're all having a brilliant time. And to be honest, you're probably having a better time than me because I'm becoming a music snob, and you're not. So you're having a great time, and I'm sitting in the corner going, (laughs) why are you doing it like exactly the same way you did the last song? This is a blues. It should be maybe in a 12-8 kind of shuffly kind of thing, and you can't do disco like that. Oh, I know exactly what you're saying. So one of my big rants is that there's no such thing as a ukulele player. No such thing. You're a musician with a ukulele. Yes, and that is true. If you want to just do those ukulele things, again, good for you, brilliant, you, you do you. I mean, if you want to run around the kitchen with a wooden spoon banging on the fridge and you call that your art form, then you, you go crazy. You have a good time. You do you, right? But look at your rhythm work. That's where the funk lies. You can take three chords and turn them into completely different songs with rhythm. And the way that the songs trip up is is always the rhythm. And the reason that you go, we can't get this song right. This song's never sounded right. What's wrong with this song? We've gone over the chords, over and over the chords. Again, it's not chords, it's rhythm. You've got to get your rhythms right. You can do some great things with rhythms and three chords. You've got to look at your rhythms, y'all. So if you want to be a ukulele leader, if you want to be a ukulele teacher, don't forget, as well as teaching the harmony and the melody, you've got to teach the rhythm. Otherwise, all your songs will sound the same. And it's a crying shame. It's an absolute crying shame. Faith is only a handful of chords. And it's all um, diatonic. There's nothing chromatic. There's nothing weird going yeah. on there yeah, yeah. it's all it's all possible you just need to one two three one two three one two three four one two one two three four down up down 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 see my challenge is i can do that perfectly until i have to sing <laughs> and then it's all out the window <laughs> praxis yeah i know you've got to get to the point where it's basically in your muscle memory and then you can add the singing and it works I yeah. just, it's just yeah it is everything yeah. and the answer to pretty much everything is more practice a couple of pro tips from someone who can point out what you're getting wrong and praxis mm. and also break it into manageable chunks yeah so um, if you're struggling with um, take that apart there's a in three two song clave one two three one two three one two three four one two one two three four practice going one two three four 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 one two practice going one two one two one two one two one two one two but most of all practice one two three 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 and then you can practice going one two three one two three oh start again oh that's pretty good go again I think we're there that's the tricky bit, and then go. If, if we're doing Tom the Pom's rant about ukulele groups, this is a heartfelt plea on behalf of people who can't read. Remember 
that reading and writing music is super useful. It is. It's a great tool. And I wish I could. I can't read music. I wish I could. But remember, some folks are dyslexic. Some folks are just illiterate. Some folks just never got that. Do you know what? There's, there's a few things in life which shouldn't be dependent on reading. And music is one of them. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing refuge for people who are battered by reading and writing all day, every day. Especially the kids. This is my heartfelt plea on behalf of kids. Although dyslexia is caught and managed a lot better these days than when I was young. Um, and everyone I know is just rolling their eyes so hard because they knew I can get through a podcast without mentioning <laughs> dyslexic. But my heartfelt plea to all leaders is move away from the paper as quickly as you can. You can do it. There, there's ways of teaching chord progressions. Yeah. There, there's stories you can tell. You can say, this is the first chord. And can you hear the way the music swells and it, it lands where it should? You've just gone to the fifth chord. Did yeah, you okay. hear how the, the shadow just went over the sun? Well, there's, your, there's your relative minor, you all. It's the evil twin. And hand out those sheets and go, right, learn it. Right, now turn the sheet over for people who can't read. And, of course, some people learn by reading. Mm. So be wary about never doing the pieces of paper. But you will find that people who read expect it all the time. There's a new song, I expect a piece of paper. Where's my piece of paper? And I haven't got my piece of paper and I can't do the song. I remember a few years ago, it was a ukulele festival. <laughs> oh dear. And my mates had just come off the stage. It was outdoors. Beautiful sunny day. Friends of mine had come off the stage. This other ukulele group was going on the stage, getting ready, loads of them. And the wind blew. All it took was the wind blowing. Yep. Paper all gone. Paper all gone. Paper. That's why I have the iPad. <laughs> Oh, well, that's all right then. That's okay then. Because <laughs> I have a bad memory. Actually, I, I think learning chords is something I can do. Remembering lyrics is a thing I really, really struggle with. Lyrics are hard. That's that's fair. Yeah. But then again, there's ways of taking apart the lyrics. What is the yeah. story that the lyric takes? And I, 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 it's one of the things on my list is I do need to actually learn a few things. I just... I, I tend to get them all in the wrong... Even if I remember all the lyrics, I, I will get them in the wrong order. And you're right. I mean, you can... You can chunk them down and, and, and try and find some logical thread through Yeah, there it. is. Yeah. A, a ridiculous analogy that I've, I've pulled many times is the cast of a play will be handed a script to learn. I don't know how they do it. Oh, I've, I've done it. <laughs> I've done it. Um, and then what they do is they learn the script as quickly as they can and then they put the script down. And they put it away. And then the good stuff starts. Because what do you start doing with the script? that you've learned how do you block it out which emphasis do you put on which bit of the sentence how do those lines fire across against each other and that's where the good stuff starts once you've learned the script yeah so i th i think it's perfectly possible to to learn some chord progressions well people do it must people be do. possible and then i think it's possible to um look at the story the lyrics are telling there's a story this verse is about this and this verse is about this. And then this verse has got the, the kick in the tail. And some, some are almost impossible to remember, like um, achy, breaky heart. Well, that's not one is, I need to remember. Which is, as we all understand, <laughs> one of the worst songs ever written. Um, 
but he made so much money off it, so what do we know? Yeah. They're so popular. Um, you can take any of those lyrics and just shuffle them around into a different <laughs> one. It stills the same damned song. And probably nobody would know that you'd done it anyway. What? <laughs> but if you take Into My Arms by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, there's mm. a flow yes, yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. starts there, and then first he's pitching to the interventionalist God that he doesn't believe in, and then he's pitching to the angels. And you can, you can see the story that comes out. So learn the story. Yeah. And... I think you'll find that audiences are very forgiving. If you get a couple of lines round the wrong way, they'll forgive you. Especially, yeah, especially if you're looking at them in the eye yeah. and you're singing to them. Yeah. They'll forgive you heaps if you're performing to them. If you're reciting from a sheet of paper, you're just being an automatic translation machine between paper and sound. You're not putting on a show for them. You're, you're doing your thing that they happen to be there. So an audience will forgive you for forgetting lyrics. And they'll forgive you if you if you vamp. If you get halfway through and go, oh, crikey, how does it go? Oh, you bet you can remember, can't you, Granny? I can't. <laughs> uh, let's go again. Should we go again? Yep. They will forgive you all manner of things if you're putting on a show for them, but not if you're, um, if you're, not if you're uh, uh, reading off a piece of paper. One of the most um, instructive things that happened to me was... Way back before I was 15, I did give guitar a go and I failed hugely because the teacher insisted that um, we read paper. Yeah. And I couldn't. Mm. And there was a show coming up for the parents and he really wanted me to do it and I wasn't ready and I couldn't do it. And then we went on stage and we started to do Yellow Submarine by the Beatles. And as soon as my eyes lost where I was on the paper, as soon as I looked up for a second, I could not find out where we were. Just because... My brain couldn't. So what does a young chap do under those circumstances when he's lost in the performance in front of all those parents? Panic. No. No? No. You can panic. You can mime. You can put the damn guitar down and lead the audience in a massive (laughs) sing-along. That is so cool. (laughs) I had limited options. Yeah. I had limited options. And I thought, I can do this and people will... Hate me for being a show off, or they'll come with me. And everyone came with me, yeah. and everyone afterwards came up and said, "Congratulations on what a great show that was." I was just conducting the grown-up singing, but what I did in that moment was I made the show about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not me, and it wasn't about me forgetting the lyrics, and it wasn't about me forgetting the music. It's about them joining in, and they, I got rewarded massively for it. So don't worry about remembering your lyrics. Okay. Put the show on. Put the show on for the peeps. That is really good advice. They will forgive you. Are they going to sit there mark, giving you marks out of ten? No, people, no, you're right. People don't remember what you say. People remember how you made them feel. Yeah. People will not... People don't care if you've got the, lyric, if you've got the verse around the long, wrong way or, look, I just stumbled on a word. Yeah, I didn't care at all. People don't care. <laughs> Honestly, there's also a little bit of getting over yourself as well. People don't aren't that. You know, your show's not that important, really, is it? But let's have a laugh. It's not. I mean, it's, it's not. It's not rocket <laughs> it's surgery, not. really, not. is it? No, it's not life on death. It's not like yeah. you're you're um, in some sort of film where you have to recite the words, or the Cold War villain will cut the ear off the donkey. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not that important. This is a game. This is a game where we can all we can all win. Just try to stick to the rules, and people forgive you for a little description here and there. When I did video killed the radio star, I my fingers didn't do the thing that I was thinking that my fingers were going to do at that point. And if you played back and listened to it really carefully, 
you'll hear that at one point the chord should have gone to a six and it didn't. I don't care. No. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. This well, is don't care. It. No, I don't care. <laughs> to be honest, people have just tuned off. I've said too many words. <laughs> That's okay. Now, I have another listener question. Yes. This is from Jim. Jim, Jim of the many, many ukuleles who you spoke to last night. It's not a competition, but I have no. more the ukuleles than him. <laughs> yeah, we, we did establish that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got 80 soprano ukuleles in a box. Yeah, okay. You win. Okay. All right. So yeah. he says... When you interview Tom, can you ask him about his light and fast fill strum of 16th notes and how he does it? And I said to Jim, I don't know what that means, but I'll ask him. <laughs> well, we sort of covered it. What you do is you, you run your arm parallel down with those strings um, and you don't have to worry about hitting over the, the sound hole. And what a lot of people do is they'll hit, let's say the music's in 4-4. Four, four. So it's 1, 2, 3, 4. 1, 2, 3, 4. Right? So far, so good. You can then count one, two, three, four as one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and then what you do is you count sixteens. One e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a one e and a two e and a three and a four and a one and a two and a three and a four and a and if you really have to you can go to thirty twos. One, two, three, four. Now, how you do it is you run your arm parallel down with strings. And you flick across the string with your fingernail. And you so Tom did a demonstration for me, and we realised it really wasn't going to work very well on a podcast. You need to see what he's doing. So what I did is I filmed his demonstration, and I put that up on YouTube. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes, or just go to the Ukulele is a New Black YouTube channel. Go like that, and... Nothing to it. No worries. Well, I think I might do my last question. All right. Which I, I, I don't know if I prepared you for my last question, but you did listen to a few episodes. I did. Yes. So yeah. how, how has ukulele changed your life? So on one hand, very little, because it's just let me do the things that I was doing before, but just a lot more. I, I was doing group activities with guitars and with drums, and now I do them with uh, ukulele. But on the other hand, it's been massive because I can do the things that I was doing before, but I can just get loads more done on the ukulele as opposed to other instruments um, because they're just such brilliant instruments to teach. They play themselves. <laughs> Which <Don't> mine they? did. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess more, it's more accessible to, if you're teaching rather than... Yeah, I mean, a guitar is a big thing and, and Guitar's a bit scary. Thing. Yeah. And then when I teach West African percussion, I've got I have a whole van full of drums and, yes. and some people are very intimidated by drums. Some people are scared. Ah, mm, I've I've had some quite emotional reactions to the idea of doing group drumming. That's interesting, yes. isn't it? Yes, huh. yes. One particular was um, I was doing a workshop in a school, and the teacher came in looking very concerned. A neighbour had com- not complained, but the last time she'd heard big group ensemble drumming like that was when the Nazis were parading in the town. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. That would be a bit scary, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, real challenge. Whereas the Nazis never had ukuleles, no, to my didn't. knowledge. No. I hope they didn't. Yeah. And with, with drumming, that, that bang produces adrenaline. And yes. The fight or flight. Um, yeah, which yeah, most people um, jump on and, and contain and, and they, they get energised by it. But yeah, some people, the, the fear comes in. So group drumming activities can be quite confronting. And I've seen, seen some people be really um, emotionally challenged about what comes up. 
because drumming activities, not so much on stuff I do, because it's quite prescribed, but in some of the drum circles I've done, I've seen people get very emotional from um, facilitating a space where people can be chaotic and um, let their emotions out, like the cathartic experience. I've seen some people get really quite upset and really enjoy it and really come through the other side. But yeah, you don't get that so much with the ukulele. It's no. much more supportive, kind of um, unthreatening yeah. instrument. Yeah, yeah it doesn't yeah. doesn't stir you in those deep dark places. <laughs> yeah. it just makes you chuckle like a loon. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so Tom, yes, where can people see you? <laughs> you can have a look at www.tomthepom.com, which is the best, oh, I best know. ever. Oh, you sent me that this morning. I thought, TomThePom.com, that is so awesome. My fingers were trembling when I was looking to see if that domain was available. <laughs> please, please be there. <laughs> you can have a look at Tom the Pom on Facebook, although, I don't, to be honest, I don't do an awful lot. And I do one-off adult workshops at work-shop.com.au in Redfern in Sydney. And I'll put all those links in the show notes. Brilliant. Appreciate that. Thank you. Well, thanks, Tom. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I mentioned in the podcast that I wasn't playing ukulele on the night Tom was allowed in the library. My thumb had been a bit sore, and I thought that giving it a rest for a week or so would sort it out, but it didn't improve, so I had it checked out, and it turns out I have a thing called de Kervin's tenosynovitis. This means that I won't be able to touch a ukulele for several months while I recover. Now, Obviously, that does not make me happy, but I'm told it can become a chronic condition, so I pack my ukes away until I get the all clear. So, please, all you ukulele players, if you're having any unusual pain, get it checked out, because your hands are important. Keep them healthy. I've started a Patreon to help me cover expenses like hosting and music royalties. Yes, all the music played on this show is legal. But beyond that, your support lets me know that you value the show and that it's worth all the time and effort it takes me to make it. All monthly supporters will receive an exclusive green decal which will look great on your ukulele case and you can't get them anywhere except via Patreon. It won't cost you much more than a cup of coffee a month but if you donate a bit more you can get your name in the show notes or you can even get me to play a ukulele cover of the song of your choice. Go to patreon.com slash ukulele is the new black to find out more and to become a supporter. I wanted to play ukulele is the new black is produced by me, Meredith Harper. I wrote the theme tune and it was performed by me, Jasmine Fellows, Jeff Skellums and Jim Croft. Seb Carrero does all the graphic design. If you want to find out more about Tom, you can go to his website, www.tomthepom.com. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to say it again. And also check out the Ukulele is a New Black YouTube channel, which has a playlist with songs relating to this episode and, in fact, to all the other episodes. If you enjoy the podcast, please give it a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people to find it. Episodes are released every second Monday, and you can subscribe pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. I'll be back with another episode in two weeks. Because it's the new black. Now that, I'll pause for that. Yep. Um, that is my automatic cat litter cleaning device. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> It takes a little while, it makes a noise, so we'll just wait for that to stop. I'm being heckled by a cat in the box. <laughs> I've had to stop my performances for a number of reasons in the past, but never so that a box can automatically clean out cat poo. Yeah, but right? hey, yeah. I'll take it. I, I will say nothing, because anything I say will make it worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you put this as an outtake on the end, can't you?
<laughs> yep, it's Brilliant. exactly what I was thinking. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the new black.